You're listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 183, sponsored by InStock Trades and Audible. You can get a free audiobook at audiblepodcast.com slash iFanboy. Hi there. Welcome oh. to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 183, unless you completely forgot that I said that about 35 seconds ago. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Ron. Hey, Josh. How are you doing? Don't refer to me by my name. It creeps me out. Okay, and, Josh. Uh, oh, I like that guy. you like the sales guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there will be a third voice that, that you've heard before, but it's not Connor. Uh, Jim Ruchkowski. Stafford. Hello, Radio Land. Yeah, there's no. Is there? Do we? Are we on the radio? Well, the the, I, the podcast land. Uh, Connor is just like last week. Uh, Ron was on a cruise to nowhere. This week, right. uh, Connor is uh, he's in England. He's going abroad. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really. Yeah. Yeah. You all live more interesting lives than I do. You know what? Not it's, so much. No, sounds, not really. <laughs> it sounds really interesting. I will grant you that, but it's so not. Yeah, no, it's actually quite the opposite of I've, interesting. I've been to Connors. <laughs> <laughs> and, All right. And he's been here. Anyway, iFanboy.com is our website where we get off the point pretty frequently and quickly. Uh, we like comic books. We read a whole bunch of them every week. One of us, we all read all our comics, but one of us has to pick the best one that they read that week. We call that the pick of the week. Um, it's a completely subjective choice. And we talk about that there's a review that goes up Wednesday night for the pick of the week. And, and then we come here and we talk about it on the podcast, other books from the week that we want to talk about, and some other odds and ends and, and drips and drabs and things like that. Before we get going, we're going to talk about the books that came out and what happened in them. So if you haven't read them, we do not want to spoil you. Read your books, come back here, or just forge ahead boldly because who really cares? Exactly. <laughs> Wrong. In the final analysis, what does it all matter? Yeah, who really cares? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You won't. You won't remember what happened in this issue next month, anyway. <laughs> but that's not. why. That's that's why we've got the fancy uh, recap pages in Marvel. Or books. perhaps I'm projecting. Yeah, uh, maybe. Anyway, it's 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 possible though that you'll remember something more if we spoil it than if you just read it on your own. Good point. Yeah. Go ahead. Talk about your all pick. Right. So I had the pick of the week this week, and um, I, I kind of – if you go to ifanboy.com, you can read my whole written review. But I, I, was, I was somewhat inspired by Mike Romo's post this week on ifanboy.com about event books and that sort of thing. And that was great. It was, it was a great post. It was really – go read that as well if you didn't. Um, but uh, you know, and, and I'm sitting there looking at my stack of books, and it was, a, it, it was an average week for me. I think I got about 13 books, and it was another one of those weeks where you know, like um, – you know, you know, looking at it, I had a good, you know, good handful of books that I could have, you know, could have made an argument for a pick of the week. Um, but, but at the end of the day, probably the one that I had the most fun reading, which is normally my one of my criteria for doing these picks, is it was the War of Kings number three, um, and that kind of all gelled into my little hypothesis is that you know, like I feel as if the event book or the crossover has really gotten a really gotten a bad it's gotten a bad rap over the past few years. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with everything we've been through with the finals invasion civil crises of the world how many times that? that how many times that joke been done by the way when you combine all the crossover event books into one word into one like title it's that's been done yeah, a lot anyway. in a yeah in a crazy mishmash exactly a little mash one, up for it one more one somewhere more. out in the chamber i'm yeah. sure <laughs> do, do you claim but, any responsibility for that uh ron no i do not okay, okay. so 
It's anyway, true. You're so- the most apologetic. I su- That's not the right word, but you, you support fun comics in whatever form. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I like fun comics in whatever in whatever format. Um, uh, and the thing is, is that is is that. But I've been on the bandwagon of, as well. Be like, oh god, um, you know, these events are just boring, and they make you buy books that you don't want to buy, and it's just like, and it just becomes like kind of a burden. And, and like honestly, you know, like as interesting as Civil War was, it didn't turn out to be how we wanted it to be. And as yeah. interesting as Secret Invasion was, it didn't, you know, it didn't really gel as what we want. Final Crisis, you know, is, is what it is. World War Hulk was a big disappointment. All these kind of things. But um, but that's not to say that these can't be good when they're done right. And for some reason, Marvel right now has got a couple of them that are doing it right. And and the War of Kings crossover to me is how you do this correctly. And I think a big part of that is that it's being mainly, as far as I can tell, it's being mainly orchestrated, if not entirely written by Dan Abnett, uh, by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. Um, as far as I can tell, they're writing every issue of this crossover. It's right <laughs> which, that way. Yeah, which probably is the is the good way to go. Um, you've heard me, you know, I've kind of you know gushed about Nova and Gar- and Josh. You've gushed about Guardians of the Galaxy over the past couple of months. Um, all of that momentum coming out of Annihilation two years ago that they've been laying the groundwork in Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy is coming is is kind of coming to fruition with War of Kings. But they're also doing something really interesting in that they're really kind of picking up these pieces that have been discarded by all the other writers at Marvel, whether it's the Inhumans, the Kree, uh, the Shi'ar, uh, the Sarjammers like all these other great kind of you know characters and races of people and doing something interesting with them and that's what i found most compelling about this crossover is that what they've done is they take a whole taken a whole you know races of people that are just languishing in the marvel universe and put a spin on it that's made it really intriguing to me and um, individual characters too like exactly. uh, every like nobody was doing anything interesting with havoc or phoenix or yep. rocket raccoon or uh uh ronin the accuser oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That's really good. Or the or the Native American guy whose back Warren Ellis broke for no reason in Thunderbolts. They found a way to get him into outer oh, space. Oh right, yeah. The, the what's his name? Jack Flag. Jack Flag. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's exactly. So they're taking individual characters as well as these big kind of cosmic level races and doing fascinating things with them. This this issue kind of really represents the the middle, you know, I guess the middle of Act Two, I guess of this crossover, if you want to break it up into acts or whatever. Um, right. And, you know, what you've got is you've got the Inhumans who have, you know, they've pretty much, you know, they've left Earth and they've gone and they've basically, you know, usurped the throne of the Kree and now they're leading the Kree. And we see Crystal who's married Ronan the Accuser and she's doing, she's launching this whole program of, of uh, ways to advance the Kree race like they did with the, with the Inhuman race with the Terrigen Mists, which is just fascinating because it's not working and they're trying to figure it out and they really want to, they really want to help the Kree, but at the same time they're being bogged down by this war and they've got to put all their assets to, to fighting the Shi'ar. Um, on the Shi'ar side of things, you know, Brubaker came in for a couple of years and played with the X-Men and just kind of walked away. And he left the Shi'ar with Vulcan as their emperor and the, the Empress Lilandra, you know, on the run and the Starjammers a wreck. They've pulled them together and given them purpose. And you've got this big conflict between the Kree and the Shi'ar building. And then you throw in the Guardians of the Galaxy who are just trying to do the right thing. And it's just, it's just a fun... It's it's like you know I always pass it off as science fiction, but this issue more than anything really solidified that it's also like science fiction action. It's space you know? adventure. 
space yeah. adventure yeah exactly and and it just it just was it was a blast and reading it and like like i said in my review it, it kind of ends with a note with a with a turn that i think we even talked about like when the last time we talked about this crossover with the character gladiator who was the loyal to the leader of the shiar and you know we're saying how he was so loyal to empress leandra and he's probably gonna you know turn and we, we you see it coming but they do it in a way where it doesn't matter that they that you see it coming well they'd set uh, it up i mean like anybody with, yeah. with half you know half a half a mind to know how fiction works knows that the first yeah. time that you saw him he was like i am loyal to the emperor and <laughs> yeah. kept yes the emperor is a dick i am loyal to the emperor <laughs> like like you knew that was coming yeah exactly but, but it didn't but it didn't minimize no. it in any way yeah no it, you it's not that you it was predictable and that you saw it coming it was that you couldn't bear another moment to yes. wait yeah. for it to happen like yeah. you know like when is he going to wake up for crying out loud like yeah. and so yeah that moment and you knew it was yeah. coming but they made yeah. you wait for it yeah, like you. I mean, you want to say it's predictable. That's fine. What if he had uh, stayed with Vulcan until the end? You would have found you would have found yourself kind of going, "Well, that's a bunch of bullshit." Right. And yeah. you know, or again, maybe I'm projecting. But, no, no, uh, not at all. Yeah, but um, I was very satisfied by that. Yeah, and uh, probably the most satisfying thing for me was the the tandem team of uh, Marvel Girl or Phoenix and Rocky and Rocket Raccoon with the mop. Um, I thought that, that was right. They, they're they're holding Gladiator at bay with this big gun, and you know, and what, what did he call it? <laughs> There's a little say hello to my little friend line. A, right. a, a Zarthian quantum cannon to you know to take down even a Strontian like you, and and then it's all just a telepathic projection, and he's holding a mop, which is very funny. So, <laughs> and that's the thing is that they're working in this like they're working in this like political context, they're working in this dramatic context, they're working in this action, but then they're also sprinkling in comedy. Like it's like really Abnett Landing are writing so well it's kind of freaking me out and well you know and you said earlier that part of the key to the series success is that they're writing all of the moving parts yep. and i think that's true to a certain extent but that you've got to give credit to them abnett and landing specifically because during secret invasion brian bendis was writing all those avengers books yep and they were my life force was ebbing out of my body hmm. as yeah. the months went on uh never the i mean and as someone who loves the Avengers and, and Bendis got me back into reading comics in the first place and blah, blah, blah. And I still was like, okay, let's, let's move it along. Yeah. But, but Abnett and Lanning, with this, maybe it's because the f- moving parts are fewer. Maybe it's because they took, they've been single-minded in building up all these pieces from various disparate parts of the galaxy for a year now. Or I don't know what it is, but uh, we must give credit where it's due. Let me, let me ask a question. Um, how long until, and I'm not saying this has happened, but how long until the, it's the Guardians of the Galaxy? Who? How long until that joke's not funny? Because <laughs> right. it's still no, funny. It, it, it's still funny, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Partially because I'm still saying it, even as I read issue yeah. <laughs> 11 or whatever it is. I, I like that it goes against every convention of, of what classic comic books do, I think. Yep. Um, yep. You, yeah. you, know, you, you, really, you bring up a really good point about having all these characters and in a very short amount of time, and this is something that Jeff Johns does really well too, um, you, you can care about and like a lot of these characters who have disparate personalities and different things going on just from reading this series and then, like, just, I guess, just Guardians of the Galaxy also. You know, all the, like, there's a lot of balls in the air, and I don't feel like people are being shortchanged and interested in a lot of things. You know, what, what, they're yeah. doing, what they're doing is, is nearly impossible when it comes to comics, specifically Marvel comics. 
you know, and that that's why I think it's so amazing is that they're that they they're picking these characters up who really the majority of comic readers probably don't know about or care about, and making you care about them if you're if you're reading the book. Well, look so. at this. There are interesting things happening with Medusa, with Black Bolt, with Crystal, with Ronan the Accuser, mm-hmm. with Maximus, with uh, you know that's yep. just in this. Not to mention the Praetorian. And no, that's just that's just in the first four pages of the book, dude. Exactly. Like that, like, yeah, that's what that's mm-hmm. what's amazing is that there's so many balls in the air in this, and yet it's all it's moving at a pace that's satisfying, mm-hmm. and it's giving you reveals, and it's keeping you, it's moving fo- The plot is moving forward. I really see the momentum in the war, and like, and it just, it's. I mean, honestly, this is like this is like. I hope at the end of this whole miniseries, we can you know hold that War of Kings volume and be like, this is fun comic booking. I would really like to have seen more time spent on the Savage Land, though. <laughs> well that's another that's another thing too you you want to talk about event fatigue and this is an event done right they're not they're not getting their chocolate in your daredevil you no. know what i mean yes, like exactly. they, so like well, they're not and, and that's the thing is that because the, the difference between war of kings and then the difference between the then like the next book i want to talk about which is uh, cable number 14 which is uh the next cha- chapter four of the messiah war um crossover between cable and x-force is that they're they're not you know big huge universe spanning like secret invasion or civil war or final crisis war but rather they're contained in a little corner in and their like, in their own way they are literally on another planet yeah exactly, <laughs> like exactly. they are as far removed from getting in my spider-man continuity as is possible right i mean like like with with cable and this messiah war complex you've got you know this is it's contained just within i think those two books uh x-force cable and i think they're there they do one shots here and there but i mean my little confession is that like i'm actually really enjoying this crossover mm-hmm. um like, i am buying x-force yeah i mean I, i'm i'm enjoying it so much that i'm actually am ignoring my hatred of ariel olivetti's art in in cable um i just don't like i think it's too you know i don't know what there's something about it it's too joy i don't know what that man did to people yeah it's, i it's, really don't it's, it's really you like, would think it, you people look at his art and see every guy who ever shoved them in a locker in yeah. their entire lives i don't know what it is i think it's perfectly lovely I was gonna say it's like he came over and stole my lunch money, and I, I, I don't know why. Yeah, I perfectly fine. Yeah. He can draw anything I read. I okay. like it. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah. All right, but um, but yeah, but that's my little confession about Cable is that like as much while well, I'm enjoying War Kings more, but I actually am enjoying this Messiah work uh, crossover. I was which really I'm shocked at. curious why you wanted to talk about it because yeah. And and the and the thing was that I don't think Cable was was a real contender to be the pick of the week part, mainly because of the art. But um, <laughs> I I don't know if anyone can draw those X Force costumes in a way that excites me. <laughs> like, there's, there's something about it's not so much the costumes. There's something about the faces that gets me with his art. I don't know why. Um, but anyway, but the, the art not, not here, not here or there. Um, the story is actually again, it's a crossover. It's an event, but it's moving. Like I'm seeing the progress. Yeah. Issue to issue, you know, and it's, yeah. it's it's almost like the anti Civil War, the anti. And, well, it's really. I mean, you're you're an ex guy going way back. Yeah. I when you say to me, okay, here's here's what I have for you. I've got some cable, <laughs> and I got some bishop, yep. and I got uh, angel with his his knifey wings, <laughs> and and a little bit of apocalypse. It's like, wow, if you could just get Gambit over here, you would have everything <laughs> I don't give a shit about in you know one place. You know, you know what's really funny that you said that? When I finished this issue, I literally, I don't know where it came from. I'm like, I wonder where Gambit is these days. <laughs> and then I actually remembered he, he's an X-Men legacy. And so, yes. yeah, then, yeah. But yes. anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> but, and yet, like the TV show Angel, which took every character I hated from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and somehow made me watch it every week, 
they he Dwayne Skrzynski and uh, and the X Force team have managed somehow to rivet me to this story because I mean like maybe it's because Bishop has some sort of purpose for the first time in my reading life although he still doesn't have any discernible power that I've noticed yet but never mind uh, and uh, you know it, every everyone's sort of it's very goal oriented there's a little redheaded MacGuffin walking around and yep. the plot is is driving I can't wait to find out what happens to the cable series when this all gets resolved yeah uh, I mean because I mean- it's you really feel as if there are stakes here. Like, well, like yeah. when, when this is all done, okay, then what? Where does it go? You know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got strife. Oh. Oh, good good call. There's yeah, another yeah. one I don't, I couldn't care less about. Exactly. <laughs> Aggressively drove me away from comic books when I was 14 years old. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel like it, it, it literally is the future of, of a race. And at the same time, it's not... I don't have to read about it, uh, you know, in Secret Warriors or yeah. whatever. Like, it's just, it's off in its own corner doing its, its own thing. I, I think it's the combination of it being contained, controlled, and then having progress. I think those, it are, doesn't, those are the It keys. literally, it doesn't even cross over into X-Men. Yep. That is how contained it is. Yeah. yeah. Fraction will so. take their calls. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so enough of me gushing about the events in marvel comics um i'm, I'm sure a lot of people were shocked that i we didn't you know that we're not going to pick every issue of flash rebirth as the pick of the week well, let, let you me... know this is this is very weird for me because the last time i was on the podcast uh with the other writers was literally the week all these books came out last time oh right Ooh. so i'm having a very weird nom flashback sort of experience well, right now, now i haven't had a chance to actually talk about this series because oh I right and neither have i fault. yeah so let me uh, let me go over something and i think that the, one of the things that happened with the first flash rebirth is when i picked it and one of the reasons that i picked it was a yes i did find it very enjoyable and it was very good but i think on a craft level, I was just really impressed by how much he accomplished. So I, I want to go through and explain uh, very slightly sort of some of the things in this book that I saw. Wow, he's, he's doing it some more. And like he went through and he, he solidified more of who Barry is and how he's not happy about being back. He got a little more of the Hal-Jordan relationship and character stuff going on. He went yep. back, explained more about uh, Barry's origin and then his relationship with his wife. Yep. All things that we don't know anything about. His relationship with the with the the police department and how the police department works now, um, and sets up a radical new status quo. Uh, at least you know for for what for for right now the the thing that's happened to to you know Barry Allen and basically with him being the the Black Flash, which is sort of the Grim Reaper of the Flash set. Yep. And I've read this twice. And it's all that plus more, and it never feels like it stops moving. The pages have a kinetic energy to them that make it feel like a flashbook should. There's nobody standing mm-hmm. around, even you know when they are. Like it's just it's moving. You flip through the pages. There's just there's so much going on here. And and again, I'm just really impressed. Uh, there were a couple of scenes where the two flashes had like a hyper steroid uh, uh, Aaron Sorkin walk and talk, where they were like having a conversation while running at full speed. Yep. I, I was very impressed by that. Well, uh, it's funny, it was funny because that leads to because the only criticism I have, which isn't, I mean, is 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 going to come when you have two characters wearing the same two costumes, is that the only way you could tell the difference between Barry and Wally is that Wally has green eyes, Barry has blue eyes. Felt. But there was a, there was a couple of pages there where I was like, okay, who's talking? I see. I never had a problem because I could tell who was talking by based on what they were saying. 
Yeah, no, I had a I, and I'm a Flash guy, and I had a yeah. problem with it. All right. I was able to I was able to follow it, although I am knowledgeable to the extent that I knew them as Barry as that and the other one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did okay, and I like I said before uh, when we reviewed Flash number one, Flash Rebirth number one on Josh's behalf last month. It's a little disconcerting still uh, to to have Tom Caters be your only other source of Flash stories, and then read something like this. Yeah, very helpful. Was it really? As, yes, well, and yet at the same time, it's it's sort of you feel you know like it's serious as a heart attack compared to what Tom is. Reading. It's, it's yeah, that's, like the the world according to Flash according to Tom is a very different place. It's, it's very a, different than Jeff Johns what he's doing. But, but like no, but that is now, the, but yes, but yet at the same time, it's really it's really interesting to me that the character could be this old and there could be this many unmined veins of gold. Well, oh no, I mean, in, but I'm I'm not surprised at all because the thing is is that the character the character of Barry has been he's literally been gone since 1985 and so and and so storytelling up to that point was completely different and Mm -hmm. you know and the fact that the fact that you know it was actually barry allen as the flash was getting his stories were getting really interesting right before he died that was when you know that was when he got tried tried for murder for killing professor zoom and and was found guilty and like all you know like it was getting to be some heavy crap and then they killed him and then we've had 20 years of wally not that it's been bad because that's what i grew up on in terms of flash but you know like there you're right there are these veins that can be tapped um you know just because nobody because he's been off the map listen this is what exactly what jeff johns does and exactly his his talent is that he's taken all those stories that Tom read to you and explained to you, and they were silly then. They're not silly because of how Tom's explaining them. They were silly. Yeah, they were silly. He's right. taking <laughs> things out of them. He's taking those seeds, and he's turning them into something that works now. Modern. And, and, and <laughs> thank you, David Brent. Modern. <laughs> and um, and, <laughs> and uh, he, you know, like, and a lot of people complain, like, oh, he's changing things. Oh, yeah, he has to change things. Yeah. Things were ridiculous. He's, yeah. he's got to come up with yeah. a reason why he wore a ridiculous bow tie because nobody. I was gonna. That. I was gonna ask though. Was there? Is there really a compelling need to explain the bow tie? Couldn't he just be a, like a, have a Tucker Carlson fashion sense and let? No, that I think I, it was that was a nice little touch. It was because the thing is, it show it shows that Barry he he was not he's not thinking about that. That that uh, little yeah. Tucker Carlson thing. If he had been doing that for real, that's an excuse that people will use to call it silly. Well, he wears a yeah. tie; it's dumb. Mm. So if he puts a real well, reason to it, then you can just you can you have a reason you can move on. I can definitely give that to you because on the it's like the first or second page they're in Gorilla City or whatever. Yeah, and and they're all it's all very sort of. Uh, straight-faced and grim and sort of tribal, and I was looking at it and I was going, "Really?" But then I thought, "Well, what would you rather have that be?" Right. Exactly. You know, would you rather <laughs> would you rather have the talking monkeys? Would that make you happy? Slipping on bananas. You wouldn't be able. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to get to page three. <laughs> um, uh, I, I do have a question though about uh, going back to Tom. Do you think Jeff Johns listens to Tom? You're in a better position to know than me. <laughs> we on the, on the we shadow of the arch grounds, I, to, yeah, look into that one. I don't. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I would encourage that to be. Ch- that could, first of all, that could change the course of the flash books forever. Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, wouldn't also. I no, I I think everyone should listen to Tom versus the Flash. If you want to tell the difference between Barry and Wally, as far as I can tell, aside from their eye colors, um, ba- uh, Wally has a thinner lightning belt. Yeah, belt. around yeah. the waist. Right. Yeah. It goes yes. into a V shape in the front. Yeah, exactly. I, of, I was I was briefly distracted trying to find differences. Yeah, that's the only difference I can tell. But 
that's just I as a neophyte. Their boots are slightly different, although I don't know if it. it well, it used to be. Way. It used to be that their boots were different as well as their earpieces were different. But I. Th- but it looks like Van Skyver's gotten rid of that. He's got them pretty similar. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Anyway, I just want to. I just want to say out loud. I just want to say out loud. We are talking about this. Yes. <laughs> this is happening right now. Can I? Can I say something? And we did a whole video show about about costumes. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. the Flash costumes. Oh, it's, 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 it's wonderful. It's, it's one of it's my poetic. favorite of all time. And I always forget about it, but it's the one that I, like, whenever I look at it, it takes me back immediately to holding a, a Flash action figure and just thinking, this guy looks so fucking Fa- cool. Although yeah. I didn't say it that way. Yeah. No. Anyway. that's all Right on. Um, cool. Another really good issue. A really, really good issue. I was really happy with it. And yeah. I want to read the next part of the story. Ditto. What about you, Jim? You you still on board? As do I. I bought I bought a second issue and will buy a third. Awesome. Stop buying multiple copies. They won't be worth anything. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps my my semantics were not great on Um, that. Now 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 last time, Jim, you were uh, very much down with Mark Wade's uh irredeemable. Yeah, it would not I would, no, it would not be a mischaracterization to say that I dragged the rest of the staff kicking and streaming to the book. Yeah. I don't think. I recall Uh, that. it seems to have paid off handsomely for everybody. Okay, so um, what did you think of the second issue? Uh, I liked it. I was relieved to see that it wasn't all going to be unrelentingly grim mm-hmm. and that there weren't going to be uh, its kind of incinerated babies on page four of every issue, if that brings too fine a point to it. Uh, <laughs> too specific. I, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I, just, I, 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 I liked the first issue, but at the same time I thought, oh, if it's just going to be nihilistic unrelenting punishment every month i'm not gonna last you mean like i mean did you read the end league like like just (laughs) reading the description of the boys i'm like all right i'm out that's fine uh but so i mean with that as my frame of as a frame of reference for what i read and don't read like i was it's not it doesn't exactly pick up and you know nobody they don't go to toontown in this issue or anything but uh (laughs) like although i would pay top dollar to see how that would play out but uh uh I no, I like this. I, I thought it was a really interesting rumination on the Lois Lane archetype, and uh, for that matter, the whole folly of the secret identity for a character like this. Basically, uh, a character whose name I'm sure I'll remember in a couple of months goes to visit uh, the irredeemable hero's uh, ex-girlfriend and, and learns learns a little bit about how they came to date and how they came to stop dating, and basically. Uh, she discovers his secret identity and blabs it to everyone and he loses his marbles and makes it very explicit to them exactly how dead they all are and they, you know, promptly all kill themselves. The, the, the main premise of, of Irredeemable, for those of you who weren't following before, are, um, is that uh, the Superman character of this universe, the Plutonian, uh, has lost his shit and wrecked what would be basically Metropolis. Killed everybody there and wrecked most of the buildings. And now every all the other superheroes have to be like crap what do we do right and this is mark wade's kind of return to superheroing yeah. yeah i i read the first issue and i was i like i like the idea of it a lot more than i like the execution so far mm-hmm. i would say and one of the things that really bugged me about this and i it, this isn't to say i didn't like it i rated it as a four-star book but given the choice if i had to read a story i would have liked to have seen I guess more of a gradual fall because to me it sounded like he'd been creepy all along. Oh, but I think that's even cooler. Uh, yeah, but I've seen because that. Be, 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 uh, where maybe, how maybe I have I don't know maybe that's not what I want. Then I want to see like how you go from being like it's it's easy to see how somebody who's already mentally unstable can get to a position of power and then it all falls apart. That I understand. I feel like that happens a lot. 
I was more interested in the story to see how somebody who who is Superman, who is all good and is all of those wonderful things, how he turns and becomes something else and have a writer do that realistically. But if he was flawed from the start and already didn't know how to relate to people, I think well, that's interesting. I think I think we're going off of two flashbacks at right now. Yeah. And I, th- I think this will benefit from a much longer view. But like what I my interpretation of what I read has been of a character who was like what you described, but the, all we've seen of him so far are people looking back now that they know what they know now and second guessing themselves and trying to think, you know, why didn't I notice that back then? And like all they're thinking about is uh, what they didn't notice back then that was so important now. It's like if you read uh, Wired by Bob Woodward, you would think all John Belushi did in his entire life was take drugs, but. Uh, I've gotten off topic. Uh, anyway, but, <laughs> like, like, like you see, you see a very if, if if the right now the writer's focusing on one very selective part of the character's life, but I'm hoping that over time it'll be fleshed out a little bit better. And that's really yes. Yeah, and, and and that's what I almost expect. I mean, I I really like the first issue. I really like this issue. I thought this this issue, like like Jim, like you mentioned, it took the nihilistic, you know, violent, you know, first issue and kind of counterbalanced it with you know relationships and romance and and yeah. you know, but but keep, keeping in the the Plutonian and the the break and whatever you know whatever he's the fall from grace and I, I know I'm just I'm enthralled by the whole concept and I'm you know I can't wait for the next issue. You know, and I'm not again. I'm not saying I thought it was bad. I just think that I was sort of hoping for something else. At the same time, like this is probably the best Mark Wade construction I've read in a long time. Yep. Fifty-two, notwithstanding, but he didn't do that all on his own. So, yeah, um, we'll get you on Spider-Man yet. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right now, though, you're talking like you're you're emphasizing the four stars. You're talking like someone who spent three years getting emails like, "Why do you hate Irredeemable?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally. really totally feel well. The, the, and it's some the second issue, dude. A, some people have a very difficult time between criticism, between like realizing that there is a, a nuance between love and hate. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to make my position uh, assuredly clear. Okay, well that's pretty clear. Thank so, you. all right, so let's take a quick break, and uh, I want to tell everybody about Audible. Uh, uh, we want to thank them for sponsoring this episode. And if you haven't heard of Audible.com, uh, they are the leading provider of uh, you know audio books and audio information and entertainment on the internet. Um, that you can go on their website, and you can they've got a, a library of over sixty thousand titles, and you can purchase uh, you know you know books. They've got. They've got recordings, like comedy recordings, and all things like that. You can download download them locally, you know, to your PC. You can burn them on a CD, put them on your iPod, whatever device you have. Um, take them on the road with you in the car. They're great for drive for long drives and that sort of thing. Um, they've got all a ton of different genres. You know, they've got business books, classics. They've got a little bit of the erotica, uh, fiction, romance, mysteries, sci-fi. You know, self-help, kids books. Like they've got they've got a ton and ton and ton of content. And actually, I was on the website today and I was looking around and I saw that they have the the, um, the Science of Superheroes book. Did you guys ever – have you seen that book? Uh, uh, I've seen that in many of Borders, yeah. Yeah, I got that for Christmas a few years ago, and it was awesome. So you could actually download that and listen to that. Um, that's by Lois Gresh and Robert Weinberg, and it's got an introduction by Dean Koontz, and it's narrated by Oliver Wyman. Um, so they've got you know books about comics. They've got uh, some of the novelizations, you know, like the Batman and Superman, some of those DC novelizations and stuff like that that we've talked about before. Um, so pretty much, if you you know if you want to listen to it, Audible's Audible's got it. Uh, they got over like I said, sixty thousand titles, and what's 
what's even cooler is by listening to this podcast, you get a, we got a super awesome offer for you. Um, you can get a free audiobook download and a 14-day trial by signing up at audiblepodcast.com forward slash ifanboy. Now, it's super, super important to note that you can only get this offer by going to audiblepodcast.com forward slash ifanboy. Go there, sign up. You get a free audiobook, free two-week trial. Just give it a shot. How hard can it be? We, we had some controversy about this book because Ron was not entirely sure it came out. I was adamant that this book didn't exist. <laughs> uh, Terror Incorporated, Apocalypse Soon, is uh, a nice aggregation, like Cable, a nice aggregation of all sorts of disparate things that I would never, ever read. Well, well, hold on a second. Put together. You, yes? You just said... I'm so glad that I didn't have to read a nihilistic book. And you're talking about a book. You chose to talk about a book. <laughs> well, Terror Incorporated yes. Apocalypse Soon. Here's what I think what is, is going on. What I think is going on on a psychological level is that I have a compulsive need to support Marvel's Max line, no matter <laughs> what, because it takes me back to a time when Alias was on the market, and I feel yeah. like if I reinforce them positively, they'll remember what it was like in 2001 with the good times. The golden years. Who wrote this? I uh, this is David Lapham. I thought it was uh, yeah. a writer. A writer about <laughs> whom I have cared very little in the past. Uh, nice. Although I have, I have not read uh, his seminal works. I've read some of his, like I've read Daredevil versus Punisher. Or he put something out like that a couple of years ago, and I read that. And uh, this is a story. Uh, this is a character off of Marvel's backbench, and I don't know if it's just because it's their 70th anniversary or if they found a key to the attic or something, but for some reason between this and Agents of Atlas and Destroyer and, you know, they just keep – they seem to keep finding like, hey, remember this? No? Well, he's going to punch somebody's throat out. Well, there, go. He, he had done a Terror Inc. Uh, series, and I don't think last year. I think in 07. Uh, I, I think yeah. it was last year actually. Yeah. I read it. I read it and enjoyed it in spite of everything. Wow. Uh, like, yeah. like it's it's basically the character has been cursed for six or seven hundred years. He's immortal, but he uh, he decays like a dead body, and so he has to periodically replace his parts with those of other people. Uh, and so, given this gift and and being kind of a walking corpse who apparently occasionally has to rip people's arms off and put them on his body, he naturally uh, is an international hitman, like you would be. In that right. situation, of course. So, uh, and uh, the it's it's very gross, and it's it's finally. I, I've never been a horror fan, but it has con- it has shown me the thing that is appealing about horror. Just like the fatality scenes in a Mortal Kombat game, it goes so over the top into itchy and scratchy land that all I can do is laugh at it. Occasionally, he finds himself having to fight with a bare arm, or you know, <laughs> it's like I you never know whose head he's going to be wearing, and when he takes people's parts, he absorbs some of their emotions and their you know mental states and things like that and their memories and it's it's uh, a lot more compelling and entertaining than I ever would have dreamed and if you buy it and your child accidentally gets their hands on it it is not my fault well disclaimer disclaimer made I cannot <laughs> take any responsibility but no it it's it's kind of gruesome entertainment I I don't watch a lot of horror but I I like this. I'll have to so. check it out. I didn't even know it existed, and I like Dave Laugham. So I'm yes, I'm a squeaky clean prude, and I like this book. Wow, that's all. That put that on the on the blur. Put that on the yeah, put that on the out quote. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, quickly m- mention that uh, Astro City: The Dark Age, Book Three, Number One, which is the new candidate for the longest title in comics um, right now. Yeah, really. Uh, um, but this is the first issue of the third volume of the Dark Age storyline, which has dragged up to this point. But this issue was actually a lot of fun to read, and 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 Josh can attest that we're on an Astro City. 
shitty kick over at, in the iFanboy mm-hmm. offices. So oh, um, really? it's it's fantastic, and I love it. I it's, can make out with this comic book. It, it was really good. It was like yeah. it was a little like um, what it would be like to be inside Cobra. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think that I've read anything like this. It yeah, was it was really cool. It was, I mean, and the, and the Dark Age storyline is is going through the seventies of the of the Astro City, and you're following these two brothers, uh, Charles and Royal, and and you know it's interesting to see. Like I said, the last the last book for me really didn't do it for me, and this one started off on the right on the on the right foot. So I was glad to see this. That. This dragged so much that I literally thought it was over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, the, well, the problem is that the, no. the problem is that they're doing these they're doing these four issue arcs and then taking a year off and doing a one shot and then putting out another four issues and then a one shot. You know, so it's this it's taking halfway. forever to come this out. This is the halfway so. point. Yeah, exactly. So. Oh my god! Anyway, all right. Stars. Uh, the next, the one I wanted to talk about really quick was uh, Human Torch Comics number one. This is the third in the sort of timely comics they did. They did Submariner. They did Captain America. I think it's the third. Unless yep. it was one before that yeah. I forgot. Um, I, I, I read the first two, but not this one. Should I? I almost didn't get this because I didn't really recognize the name of the writer. And, and I'm yeah. a writer snob, so I wait for that. Um, this is a really sort of a, a nice little tale of of the Human Torch, you know, in the, in the I guess it was the early 40s, or in the 30s, when he first came out and people didn't understand what he was because he loses his skin and they all think he's a monster after they had just thought he was a hero. Um, really... Really simple and, and nice, but but didn't feel um, like it was too childish. And and the artwork um, by uh, Scott Wegener, whose name I don't really know, very much in that um, Marcos Martin sort of school. Nice, um, really buddy. nice classic art. Uh, t- definitely take a look at this one. It's a it's a it's a good little story. In the back is is a really old um, Toro and Human Torch story from the, from the thirties, which is pretty awful like the other ones, but in a good way. Do they play baseball with their superhero outfits on? No, but there is a circus involved. Oh, sold. And, and I'd like to read you just one panel. Instantly, the torch subdues the boys in his own flames. What happened? Can't say, but it's mighty queer. And, you know, it's lines like that. Awesome. I love the golden age. Oh, it's, it's pretty, I don't, I, you'll be seeing that panel on iFanboy at some point. Don't yeah, you worry absolutely. about Yeah, really. Okay. Um, the next thing that I wanted to talk about um, is the Mighty Number Four. Uh, I picked this up after it's after it started. Uh, this is by Pete Tomasi and 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 Peter Snagsberg. Actually, Keith Champagne also wrote. And uh, it's a really it's a DC book, but it has nothing to do with DC. It's almost like a like an anotherworldly tale where the only one superhero is Alpha One guy. And the idea is that he's the only superhero. And they're four issues now. They're kind of hinting. That there might be something off about this guy, but they won't tell us what it is yet. And it's just like that that uh, the 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 Praetorian guy in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like uh, you're like, oh, when's the turn gonna be? And maybe <laughs> right. it's not coming. But uh, it's really really nice little little tale. Very cool. Last one, Final Crisis Aftermath Run. The only problem with these, of course, is that I feel like Final Crisis ended forever ago. And I I like saw that title, and about my heart leapt into my throat. I was well, like, really? This is the Final first one crisis. of four minis. However, um, this was the one when I talked to Matt Sturgis back in just January. He couldn't tell us what this was about at all. It's uh, Matt Sturgis and Freddie E. Williams uh, II. Wouldn't want to get that mixed up. Um, and it's right. about the human flame. You may remember him as the guy who skewered um, uh, the Martian Manhunter and everybody's after him. So he wakes up in a hospital and basically he's on the run the whole time. Um, he's kind of overweight and hairy and disgusting. I love this guy. It's a really fun book. 
Like the fact that it's called Run, it has this really fast-paced action. There's a clock going on in the corner all the time, like 24. And um, if you like the Human Flame, you'll really like this book, Ron. It was it was a good okay. time. Everybody's after him. It was a it was just a fun book, and and it's about a bad guy, which I you know can go either way, and you don't like him, but it's still interesting. So definitely good. Cool. Awesome. So um, that was just a bunch of the books that came out this week, but so many more came out. Go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics where you can see every book that came out. You can make your own pull list, and then you can come back, and you can rate and review the books that came out. I want to highlight um, a review from the iFanboy community. Um, how do you pronounce this guy's name? Quizdom? It's, uh, it's, well, his name is – that's his name, so it's Quizdom. Quizdom? Okay. Uh, Quizdom reviewed Power Girl number one, um, of which uh, he gave the story a five out of five and an art a two out of five, which I'm going to get to in a moment. Um, and at the time of this recording, the iFanboy community, uh, about 0.8% made it their pick of the week. And uh, what he says is he says, no idea why I'm doing this. That's what I thought to myself when I first decided to pick up this book. And it's the truth. I mean, sure, I appreciated Power Girl enough in the pages of Justice Society of America, but other than that, nothing seemed to add up. I historically didn't like the creative team. I didn't enjoy the previews of the book that had been running through several DC comics in the past months, and I wasn't sure what this, what this that this was the type of book that I'd want to add to my pull list when I already had so much I'm reading weekly and, and so much back material that I would eventually need to read. As you can tell, I bit the bullet. I decided to pull the book based on the excitement levels of comic book journalists that I trust, including the iFanboys, as well as seemingly everyone else else around me going nuts for it. I was apprehensive, but in the end, I thought to myself, what can it hurt? And the answer was nothing. This was an absolutely stellar book. And I got to admit, I, I, on a whim, it wasn't on my pull list in the store. I saw Power Girl number one. I saw, you know, um, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray and Amanda Connor Art, and I grabbed it, and I really did enjoy it. And I've got to completely disagree with Quizdom, giving the art a two out of five, and Amanda Connor is so good. You know, like the, I would, I would have given the art a five out of five. Well, look at the so. look at the page, and this was in this was the page was in the the preview that everybody had of yep. all the big alien robots coming out of the sky, going across yep. you. But that's a, that's that's great comic booking. No, I mean, when I, Amanda Connor is one of those artists that I want more of. Mm-hmm. Like, like I remember getting the pro in the '90s, and then you know, more recently with the Green Arrow Black Canary Wedding Special. I'm like, oh, just put her on a monthly book, and now we have it. So I'm very happy. So, this was uh, pretty good. I mean, I, this, I don't think the story was the greatest thing of all time. I agree. I thought I thought I got a little wordy towards the middle with it, the snow globes. It, it made me interested enough. I think there was some <laughs> there was some goofy jokes that I, I probably would have are not necessarily my taste. Um, but I went with it. Was kind of interesting. It all sort of fit together. It worked. Um, I yeah. wasn't gonna buy it, but I did, and I, I enjoyed it well enough. Yeah, it was good. There. So. There you go. Um, we wanted to tell you about In Stock Trades. They are sponsoring this show, and thank you for that. You can save up to 37% off and get free shipping on orders over $50. Over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock and available for order right now. New releases are listed every single Wednesday, and new orders usually ship within 48 hours. So get yourself to InStockTrades.com and uh, take advantage of, of, of their largesse. Yes, they're great. <laughs> I use big words once a week now. <laughs> and, it's, and it's always when we're recording. Awesome. So, all right. So, uh, on to the email. Our first email is uh, from Ben from the UK, who says, Hi, Hey, iFanboy team. Longtime listener, first time emailer. <laughs> that made me giggle. Um, I was just wondering as Free Comic Book Day has come and gone, and as the manager of a UK comic book shop, what do you think the retailer and industry could do, should, should be doing to get comics out there more into the uninitiated masses? Free Comic Book Day seems to be great for regulars, but it really doesn't get that many new people in the comics. That's a great point. Um, yeah, and, and I've heard I don't this, know. I heard well, sort of, but I heard this from people like, "Why are you giving away comics in a comic book store? Why aren't you giving away that? Why aren't right. you having a table well, in the mall?" 
Yeah, well, that that's the two things. I mean, my thought is that the I think retailers have to get out there and like like I still don't understand why you know Wolverine opens in theaters and why every movie theater doesn't have a, a table from the local comic book store giving away Wolverine comics. Outside like, of my local theater, there is a guy who sells comic books on the street. <laughs> but, but they're, um, like, right. they're like all but, '90s back issues. Like we're still in 1996. It's right. Weird. But it the, seems to me that when Star Wars was re-released back in my Halcyon days, they gave away like free action figures at the star. Like yeah, you I don't have that. to. Con- you don't have to convince people going to see the re-release of Star Wars to get a Star Wars action figure. Right. But there they were. Right. Uh, and that's an interesting point. Now that having been said. Anecdotally, when I went uh, to the store on on Free Comic Book Day, I saw all kinds of kids looting the place like nobody's business, including at least one who came in with no idea that it was Free Comic Book Day, and he had the best Saturday of his goddamn life. Oh, how awesome would that be? Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, well, that, well, that's all, that 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 also builds on my anecdote, which is I'm I'm actually I'm in I'm I'm in New York this week. I'm staying with my my sister, and I was flipping through her magazines, um, and she has a, a magazine called Family Fun because she's got kids and a family and all that kind of deal, and they they want to have fun, and oh. it's like and it's like one of those one of those magazines about like trips to take and stuff like that. And in it, there was a half-page column that was, you know, take your kids for free comics. And it was a whole article about free comic book day. And, the, and in the art, they showed Owly and Cars yeah. from Boom. And they said, take a Saturday, go to a local comic book store, get some free comics. And that's the kind of thing that they need to do in terms of outreach to actually getting people who wouldn't normally be in the store to get to the store. I think it makes sense to give the comic books away in the store because once you get them there, you want to keep them there. Mm-hmm. But right. you've, got to, you've got to be creative about how you promote it. And so You yeah. know, it's a good point. My, my final anecdote for the day is that Connor and I went to uh, – it was basically a new shop in Brooklyn, Bergen Street Comics, where they were having a party that night. And you Boy, know, I wish that was a pub. That place looked great. Yeah. No, it was. In the photo. It's a great shop. On ifanboy.com, Connor and Josh have a photo uh, essay on, on the site that you really should check out. This You wish your store looked like this store. Yeah. But, it, look, you know, it reminded me a lot of Secret Headquarters in LA, actually. Um, he set up the place, though, that when you go in, the kids' comics are right across on the register. So, yep. you know, and he said he got kids, you know, kids were coming in, they were doing the thing. So it's, it's like, what else can you do? You can, I mean, you can, tr- you try to be like one of the progressive stores for one thing and, and set up a place where it doesn't seem like a smoky den of, of male clubhouse, you know, yeah. stinks. Um, I don't know, but I'm not a comic book marketer, thank God. I mean, I mean, the thing, the thing is, I think it's, I think it's Diamond, and I think it's the stores in terms of, in, in terms, in terms of promoting outside of the audience. I think that's, that's the tough mm-hmm. thing, and that we're, that we're so worried, we're so insular, and we're so, you know, maybe, worried about. Maybe on Free Comic Book Day, you really do. You set up a table at the mall, or you, you yeah. know, like with, yeah. with, you know, information about where your comic book store is, or you know, go somewhere else, do something. You've still got the comic books to give, away, give them away. Also, don't be one of those shops who gives them away like one or for fifty cents each. I heard of that. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But don't. Yeah. We did have some limits at my store, but God, there were so many comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Nice. What's next? Uh, Chris uh, writes in, and s- no one said anything. I got I got thrown off. Chris, <laughs> you have to re- read the next email. <laughs> I realized I lost my place in my eyes, and 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 I blame Connor. Hey, I fanboys. <laughs> Though I thought you were too generous with the film, Ron, I'm looking at you, I enjoyed your X-Men Origins Wolverine podcast yesterday. I, too, was confused about the time setting of that movie. This is from Variety, if it helps at all. Shot in Jackman's native Australia, the pick is apparently set in the 1970s. Whatever. Though one would have to read the press materials to realize this. That is from Chris. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting, the, the follow-up, that apparently there is some documentation as to when it takes place, and you've got to find it in the press materials. You know, so. you know who didn't know that? The production designer. 
<laughs> so, oh god, what a no, Wolverine! They had super tech machine guns in 1968. They didn't. <laughs> they did not, sir. Uh, all right. So, if you have an email, if you have a question for us, you can shoot us an email over contact at fanboy dot com. Uh, we love to hear from you, so please write in. Um, all right, on to the voicemail. Our first voicemail's got a question for Connor that we're going to try to answer ourselves. Ooh. Hey guys, what's up? Love the show. Been a long time listener, first time caller. Uh, my question is for Connor. Uh, I'm looking through the previews, and I'm seeing the Batman cacophony hardcover, and I am debating. I never really heard too much about it. I uh, just want to know what you thought, if anybody else, any other you guys read it. Uh, let me know. I can answer this. I've spoken to Connor about it. I know how he feels. I may not have his, but I can give you my, my call on it. Um, if you like Kevin Smith and you want to read Batman Cacophony, you might enjoy this. If you don't really like Kevin Smith anymore and you're kind of over it, it feels a little like very wordy fanfic. <laughs> um, I, I didn't, you know, it was okay. It wasn't bad, but it was, I mean, it, like it just, for me, like, it used to be a really big deal when Kevin Smith wrote a comic. And, well, so, so, oh, much sure. so, so much so that I bought the first issue of this mm-hmm. purely out of that that geek Kevin yeah. Smith reaction where Kevin Smith I gotta buy it and I, and I was like no I don't after I read I, it it's like you know I used to follow everything he did and I'm loath to bring up his name because he is a Google alerting motherfucker and we he could is, summon yeah. him like a we could summon him like a genie just by <laughs> saying his name right now but exactly. uh, <laughs> like uh, uh, this uh, I, I read about this I didn't buy it at the time because frankly I didn't believe it was gonna finish coming out yeah. do I sound bitter can I have my $3 back for Daredevil Target? But that's not important right now. Uh, the, the point is this. If, the, if you like this sort of thing, this is the sort of thing you will like. Yeah. <laughs> it's well put. Well put. It's true. If you like the last couple Kevin Smith movies, go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I watched, I watched Clerks 2 the other night, and it was actually it wasn't that bad. It was. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it you. at the time, but I enjoyed Spider-Man 3 at the time, and I'm told I must never see it oh again. Oh, my God. Preserve. I walked out of it with warm, fuzzy feelings, and when I told people later, they were like, "Good, hold on to that. Never see it again." I, I still have that. I still have an animated GIF of uh, Tobey Maguire as, as, as emo <laughs> Peter dancing. I've, I've, I've seen that. I enjoyed Daredevil the first time I saw it. Hey, the, direct, the director's uh, cut of that is not bad. You're a liar. If, you're a big liar. If, <laughs> no, Net, if Netflix would stock it, I'd find out for myself. But, uh, <laughs> All right, our next voicemail has got a question that probably shouldn't be asked. Hey, iFanboy, this is Carl calling in from Florida. And uh, so I just read this thing about X-Men Forever with Claremont doing, you know, the old 90s X-Men, but, you know, a new series about them. So I was wondering what other series you guys would want to see taking place in a different point in continuity, like an ongoing series about, you know, the old Dick Grayson Teen Titans or anything like that. All right, so you got two things going on here. Number one, that X-Men Forever written by Chris Claremont going back to the 90s heyday of, of X-Men and, and writing stories so, from that. Let me, Ron, you, I'm going to take your expertise on this. Basically, X-Men Forever, the premise of it is, what if Chris Claremont just took like Jim Lee and Chris Claremont's X-Men and like at number three yep, kept just, on. Started, just kept on going? Yeah, started if, he didn't, if he didn't leave in a huff. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's 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 funny because it's, it's you know it's it's a biweekly series and it quite literally picks up where they left off on a, on adjective list number three, and um and and you know the thing is is that 
one part of me is like awesome, yes, because he's Chris Claremont, and as far as I'm concerned, even though you know he's old and probably not as good as he used to be, he built so much of what we read, and you just let him do whatever he wants, and I understand why Marvel's doing that. So if you um, like that sort of thing, right? But, <laughs> but the sort of thing you will like, right, exactly. But the, but the, but his main question—that was the first piece. But his main question was, you know, what other characters or what other you know what other teams whatever would we want to see a similar thing done like would you want somebody pick up where you know the 1982 teen titans you know with nightwing leading them and all that kind of stuff more stories of that and i thought that was an interesting question because do you want to just see you know like recycled teams and characters and time periods or would you rather see new compelling new stories to yeah. look at it another to look at it another way, you think of that run that very obviously had editorial fingerprints all over it and manhandled it, and you wonder what if that guy could go back and do what he actually wanted to do. Interesting point. I didn't think of it that what way. If, what yeah. if Dwayne McDuffie uh, had gotten to run JLA <laughs> unmolested? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That, that's that's more recent, but yeah, okay, yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah, um, or, or you can go you can go back into in the time of of uh, you know like any Marvel book that Jim Shooter had his hands on. You know, could, right? You know, could could definitely be you know in there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough thing because it's it's that thing is is that we have such you know emotion and caring for these characters in these time periods and this the nostalgia factor. I mean, hell, half the reason why I watch Nine Hundred Two and now is the nostalgia factor. You know, and I and that, that's more than half. No, it's it's yeah, it's probably more than half. Yeah, you're right. But um, but the thing is, is that you know, like you know, I don't know, I don't know if I want to see you know, you can't, 90s X Men again. You can't you know? go home again. Right. We've yeah, learned this time and time yeah. and time again. Mark Wade on Flash. Yeah. This Grant Morrison is the smartest man in the world for not doing JLA anymore. Yep. Yeah. Like he shouldn't do Although, it. Although. I, I must confess, when I heard this voicemail, all I thought was, you know, if in five years uh, Brian Bendis came back and wrote the Mighty Avengers that he promised me, yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. No one I could was live interfering with, with what he was doing. Yeah, that's no, all no, 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 no. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like somebody steered him astray. Yeah, because because as quickly as Kevin Smith will call in, he'll call in too. So be careful what you say. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, then fine. You're my favorite writer. I said I one bad. You. I said one bad thing about you in eight years. <laughs> well, no, like for for example, like if if um you know like like what if you know Jeff Loeb didn't come and tear down the Ultimate Universe and Kirkman was allowed to run with it as he wanted to, you know what would have happened? You know, like was that's that it was. was that a yeah, it was a thing. But the thing is, is that is that where where is you know like that's what what if is for, right? You know, like bring back what if and do them on little issues. I think that's the way you get around that. So anyway, but it's, it's, it's like well, saying like, oh, well, I want Radiohead to come back and record like they did at OK Computer. It doesn't. It's over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so um, if you have any more philosophical questions for us, you can call us and leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Uh, and before we start wrapping up, I want to remind everybody that if you didn't already download it, go back and look in the feed because uh, this past Friday we released a special edition podcast about Josh Connor and my thought around Star Trek, the movie that just opened this weekend. Um, and if you want to hear, if you want to hear the iFanboy Collective, the three of us gush like little girls over a movie, this is the podcast to listen to. Oh, way to so. give it away! <laughs> this listen. This is the first time in 43 years we have a 72-hour window where Star Trek is cool. Yes, exactly. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to enjoy it big time. <laughs> Damn it, Ron! I'm a podcaster. Anyway, go to <laughs> iFanboy. I'm sorry. Go to iFanboy.com. You can read Ron's pick of the week review on uh, War of. Is it, yeah, War of Kings number three. Um, and and the podcast. The, this hasn't been going on for that long. No. I, know. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember what number. It scared me. Uh, there's ah, all sorts right. of great articles by by Jim, for example. 
um, and, oh. and many of our other writers, um, myself, uh, and and all sorts of good things. There's you can talk about every book that came out. There's there's amazing user reviews uh, from all sorts of people and all sorts of different uh, points of views and perspective. People who liked Batman Cacophony, they wrote reviews, things like that. Um, uh-huh. So get over to ifanboy.com while you're there. Go to slash about and you can see the social network links, links stuff to our Facebook pages, Twitter pages, uh, and other things like that. And um, also while you're there, get over to ifanboy.com slash store where you can become a member, and Ron's going to tell you about that, or ifanboy.com slash Amazon where you can buy stuff and help us out through no uh, extra sacrifice of your own. Yeah, and also if you're going to the movies, going to see Star Trek, you haven't seen it yet, click on those uh, Fandango banners on ifanboy.com. That helps us out in the process and makes it easy for you to buy movie tickets. And by going to ifanboy.com, you can become a member, and membership does have its privileges, even at ifanboy. So for $4 a month or $42 a year, you get the ifanboy prize pack where you get some stickers and buttons and a comic book from our collection. Um, Or for $10 a month or $100 a year, you get that whole pack plus a special limited edition ifanboy members t-shirt. And so we thank everybody who Sign up for their membership, but we, you know, San Diego's coming. Times are hard. We still need more members. Um, we're not quite at our goal yet. So please, if you're thinking about, um, you know, we know it's tough. We know it's, you know, like I said, the economy is rough. But you know, four dollars a month—it's the price of a bad comic book. Think of look at look at your stack this week and think of one comic you could have lived without. Um, that's just one a month. Um, and we're going to send you a free comic in return. So and, we kind of balance, balance it out there. So. You'll be eligible for really cool stuff that seems to be getting sent out to people quite a lot. Exactly. We just gave away that page of original art from Mike Allred, and we've got a whole bunch of other stuff uh, lined up for the summer. So the uh, only way you can be, get, get those giveaways is by being a member. So go to ifanboy.com forward slash store, sign up for membership. And while you're there, anybody, not just members, but anybody could buy uh, the new iFanboy limited edition t-shirt. Um, with great power comes great responsibility. We've got them in two colors, red or blue, depending on what you like. Um, and you want to get them while you can. They're selling selling out quickly. We're only going to do a run of 250 like we do with the Herm shirt. Um, so don't miss out on this one. So go to ifanboy.com forward slash store, become a member, buy the t-shirt. We thank everybody who's done that up to this point. And please, to everyone who hasn't, just think about it. So, thank you. Speaking of t-shirts, you can get the classic blue iFanboy internship at the Revision 3 store, which is revision3.com slash store, which is convenient. Those can yeah. be had for uh, just about 16 bucks. Yeah. And um, speaking of Revision 3, the iFanboy video show comes out every Wednesday on revision3.com forward slash iFanboy as well as on iFanboy.com. You can check it out on TiVo or on YouTube or wherever else you like to, to watch video. Uh, this past week, we looked at those big kind of encyclopedia books. And uh, this coming week, uh, we're looking at the crime genre. Ooh. So, um, considering how hot it is these days, I'm doing air quotes. Less so. you can, you hate crime. Lest yeah. you you can't figure out how to get in touch with us, you can always email us at contact at ifanboy.com unless you're that one guy who keeps emailing me the same thing, or leave a voicemail <laughs> at eight 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 fanboys, which is three two six two six nine seven. You can leave questions there. Make sure you keep it kind of short and tell us who you are and where you're calling from because that's always interesting. People were very good about that this week. I might yeah. add. Yeah, there. So, um, and if you like what we do, and if you like listening to this show, please go to iTunes and write a review. That's a great way to get people to get the word about the show. Um, and also, while you're there, please go write a positive review of our friends over at Around Comics. They've been having a rough time these past couple of months, and we're trying to help them help lift why, them up. Why do you suppose that is? I don't. I don't know. I think. I mean, admittedly, they know podcasting ain't easy, mm-hmm. and um, and the drinking doesn't make it any easier. People are really put and, off by the smell of the liquor. Yes, exactly, exactly. End of the Neesman. But um, but oh, th- th- those two go hand in hand. So right. I guess that's the thing. But um, but yeah, you know, they're they're fun guys, and they like to they like to poke fun sometimes. But they know that you know I'm, I've got a thick skin, and I can take it. So you're a terrible. I hope terrible you're all try. 
I hope you're all proud of yourselves. You made Ron fake cry. He's been cry. trying himself to sleep every night. <laughs> and it made me fake, fake cry really poorly, too. It didn't too. convince anyone at all. <laughs> so go to iTunes, leave everybody a positive review, especially Tom vs. the Flash and Around Comics and iFanboy. And just tell people. Tell people at your comic book store. Tell whoever that will listen to check us out. So we appreciate it. Uh, Jim, thanks for stepping in and filling in for Connor. We appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Yeah, hopefully it wasn't as traumatizing as the last time you were on. Well, the less said about that, the better. But uh, I, I think that uh, yeah, I, every time one of the, every time one of us hosts, there are always people in the comments who want to burn us at the stake. But for yep. some reason, when we all co- guest hosted, it was fine. I didn't yeah. see one complaint about that. No, and it, it's it's filled me with enough hubris to really make this week hurt. It frank it frankly shook me. I was like, well, they yeah, really oh, I know. You're, you're like, maybe I'll just get my ball and go the fuck home. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for you, nothing, everybody. See if you know yeah. how to do the RSS feed, bitches. <laughs> well, That's per- right. Personally, I didn't think you guys were that good. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, practice makes perfect. Well, yeah. Uh, it needs to be on it. <laughs> But but you know clearly Jim you were the best so that's why you're oh better, so. shucks no no I know I know which side my bread is buttered on Mike Romo's Shiguri Death Frenzy ad uh, <laughs> carried the day yeah. not and, sponsoring anymore don't <laughs> oh I mean whatever movie he was talking about people liked a lot that although although luckily a lot of people thought he was me. Which worked out great for me. Yeah, it works out for you in the end. Excellent. I have one of those voices, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So until next week, uh, I am Ron. I'm John. I'm Connor. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. You give him. Back. I was just. I was just reading the script. Oh, there's uh, the other mistake. That's yeah. the third. The trifecta yep. is complete. Good night, everyone. <laughs>